Welcome to the Underclass Podcast with Austin Picard. I'm an independent researcher who can't stomach being lied to on a daily basis by the mainstream media, while we live in a fracturing society launched into parallel realities, falling perfectly onto the two sides of the political spectrum. I remain in the underclass. Marcus Aurelius was Roman emperor and ancient Stoic philosopher who authored Meditations, a series of personal writings that chronicled different periods of his life as a source of his own guidance and self-improvement. He once said, If someone is able to show me that what I think or do is not right, I will happily change, for I seek the truth by which no one was ever truly harmed. It is the person who continues in his self-deception and ignorance who is harmed. Episode 4, Part 2. We continue forging our own path, breaking free from the bondage of self-deception and ignorance in order to conclude our deep dive into what really could have happened that day at the Boston Marathon. We'll start the episode by laying out a compelling argument for Boston as a potential false flag by first addressing certain patterns that have emerged in regard to these high-impact events, along with a few past examples, in order to steel-man my position. Let's just say, after this, I no longer believe in coincidence. State-sponsored terrorist attacks are typically accompanied with simultaneous exercises, simulations, or drills to help pre-position assets without attracting unwanted attention. In late October 2000, less than a year prior to 9-11, a military exercise was conducted establishing the scenario of a simulated passenger plane crashing into the Pentagon. The Defense Protective Services Police and the Pentagon's Command Emergency Response Team coordinated the exercise. According to a detailed report by Dennis Ryan of Fort Myer Military Communities Pentagram, the Pentagon Mass Casualty Exercise as the crash was called, was just one of several scenarios that emergency response teams were exposed to on October 24th through the 26th. On the morning of September 11th, 2001, within minutes of the attack on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, the North American Aerospace Defense Command, often referred to as NORAD, was involved in an ongoing operation called Operation Northern Vigilance which involved deploying fighter aircraft to locations in Alaska and northern Canada. The operation was one part simulation, one part real world. A simultaneous drill was being conducted at the National Reconnaissance Office that simulated a small passenger plane would crash into one of the towers of the agency's headquarters after experiencing mechanical failure. The NRO is the branch of the Department of Defense in charge of spy satellites. According to an article originally published at globalresearch.org, August 8, 2005, in regard to the London 7-7 subway bombings, there was a fictional scenario of multiple bomb attacks on London's underground that took place at exactly the same time as the real bomb attack on July 7, 2005. Managing Director of Visor Consultants, a private firm on contract to the London Metropolitan Police, described in a BBC interview, how he had organized and conducted the anti-terror drill on behalf of an unnamed business client. 
The fictional scenario was based on simultaneous bombs going off at exactly the same time at the underground stations where the real attacks were occurring. The day of the Boston Marathon bombing. The official Twitter account of the Boston Globe posted two tweets, both at 12.53 p.m. The first tweet. Breaking news. Police will have controlled explosion on 600 block on Boylston Street. Second tweet. Officials, there will be a controlled explosion opposite the library within one minute as part of bomb squad activities. A local 15 Boston News affiliate interviewed Alistair Stevenson, a coach at the University of Mobile, Alabama, who had ran the marathon earlier in the day and gave a very interesting eyewitness account saying, quote, At the start line this morning, they had bomb spotters on the roofs of the buildings. They had bomb-sniffing dogs coming up and down at the start line. And Melanie, his wife, said they had bomb-sniffing dogs at the finish line. But they kept making announcements saying to the participants, Do not worry, this is just a training exercise. Well, evidently I don't believe they were just having a training exercise. I think they must have known they must have had some kind of threat or suspicion called in, but... We were told on a loud announcement that we shouldn't be concerned. It was just a drill. So maybe it was just a drill, but I've, I've just never seen a drill like that at any major marathon that I've done. So, you know, that just concerned me that this is the only race that I've ever done in my life where I've seen dogs sniffing for explosives, and that's the only race where there's been an explosion. So like I said, it really could have just been a drill, but I've never seen anything like that. End quote. Richard Serino is a distinguished senior fellow at Harvard University's School of Public Health, and according to his bio, he was appointed by President Obama and confirmed by the Senate as the Federal Emergency Management Agency's eighth deputy administrator in October 2009 and served until 2014. In this role, he also served as the chief operating officer in charge of a $25 million federal budget. Prior to his appointment as deputy administrator at FEMA, he spent 36 years at Boston Emergency Management Systems, where he rose through the ranks to become chief. He also served as the assistant director of the Boston Public Health Commission. Still available at us.archive.org. You can find every slide of the PowerPoint presentation authored in 2008 by then-director of Boston Emergency, Boston's Emergency Medical Services, Richard Serino, with the title, Marathons, A Tale of Two Cities and the Running of a Planned Mass Casualty Event, in which it provides a detailed and fully operationalized plan for carrying out a mass casualty drill, uncannily similar to what transpired at the Boston Marathon bombing on April 15, 2013. Official reports confirmed that this was the third year in a row for the city of Boston scheduled to run Operation Urban Shield, which was a United States DHS federally funded training exercise developed to test the response of law enforcement and other public safety personnel in a major emergency funded by a $200,000 Homeland Security grant due to the 2011 Presidential Policy Directive 8, titled National Preparedness. 
according to an article of the Boston Globe published June 8, 2013, with the title, Police Response Training Planned, But Bombs Hit First. Quote, Scenario had been carefully planned. A terrorist group prepared to hurt vast numbers of people around Boston would leave backpacks filled with explosives all around the city, spreading waves of panic and fear. The operation was meant to train dozens of detectives in the greater Boston area to work together to thwart a terrorist attack. The hypothetical terrorist group was even given a name, Free America Citizens, according to a copy of the plans obtained by the Boston Globe. The planned exercise has eerie similarities to the police investigation that led to the capture of the alleged Boston Marathon bombers Tamerlane and Zahar Sarnayev whose images were caught on video cameras and who were captured after a car chase and shootout with police. In the training scenario, investigators participating in Urban Shield would have to track down footage of the bombers caught by street surveillance cameras and the phones of witnesses. They would have to call on intelligence analysts to figure out which terrorist cell might be threatening the city. In the scenario, the terrorists would flee police in stolen cars they would dump in cities outside Boston, which would compel detectives from different jurisdictions to cooperate and share intelligence. The Globe article ends by interviewing the police spokeswoman, who is quoted saying, We can't talk about what we're doing for emergency preparedness. The people who participate in this don't know what the scenario is. Operation Urban Shield was reportedly sponsored by multiple federal agencies, as well as Uh, local and regional law enforcement, including FEMA, FBI, DEA, and ATF, along with public-private partnerships and foreign government influence. This be just one more example of a planned mass casualty event exercise going live, another perfect example of the unhinged and unfettered bureaucratic nightmare we wake up in every morning with empty promises of an American dream. The video footage and photographic evidence from the scene of the first blast at the finish line on Boylston Street seemed to only provide more questions than answers. Upon further analysis of the evidence, speculative theories began circulating due to glaring inconsistencies in witness accounts as well as key victims displaying odd, unexplainable behavior in regard to the reported injuries they had sustained. Elaborate photo and video compilations were made claiming the use of military-grade moulage equipped with artificial blood squibs with pump assemblies being applied under residual smoke coverage from the first blast. Key plainclothes civilians were accused of running interference, blocking certain camera angles and clear shots while the actors got into position in order to spread fake blood all over the area. Victims like Sidney Corcoran had a severed femoral artery, and was seen standing up, lying back down, and then standing up again, walking five to six more feet, and then lying back down. Jeff Bauman miraculously survived having both legs blown off, as well as having both femoral arteries severed without being tended to for over seven minutes. And then 19 days later, he stands up, using his new prosthetic legs during the pregame ceremony at the Boston Bruins hockey game. 
This was the driving force behind numerous theories, including some people even going as far as to claim Jeff Bauman wasn't really even his name at all, and that he was really a man named Lieutenant Nick Voigt, who had actually lost his legs to an IED in Kandahar, Afghanistan, and was now employed as a crisis actor. According to an article at wearechange.org, published July 11, 2015, Nathaniel Folks is a film producer and talent manager who has been in the entertainment industry since 1997 when he worked at Paramount Pictures marketing the blockbuster motion picture in Titanic. In an interview, he claimed that based on his experience as a movie producer, he'd become convinced that the Boston bombing wasn't real, but it was something called hyper-reality filmmaking, and that he knows some of the people who were involved. He defined hyper-reality filmmaking as a very common thing you do in the military and can be well-adjusted to a real scene in Iraq or any other kind of war zone. In a hyper-reality scene, people can see and feel and help what appears to be a real injured person, but the injured person is actually an amputee crisis actor with help from a makeup artist. He claimed that what was supposedly live television broadcasting, he knew wasn't live at all, but edited because in live footage, you don't cut from one scene to the next. He said the TV footage was also using older technology for grainy resolution instead of the HD res available at the time. Folks says, You can see the person who put on the makeup on these people and refers to a woman in pink with a makeup bag who goes to each victim. She's not helping them, she's putting their makeup on. Once the FBI asked the public for help identifying the alleged perpetrators, dozens of photographs rolled in accusing men from the finish line in tan cargo pants, tan military boots, black jackets, and black hats with a logo that looked very similar to the Punisher skull with red crosshairs in the left eye. These men had indeed been present well over a dozen seemingly stationed around the finish line area, some of them wearing backpacks. They happened to work as mercenaries for a private military contractor named Kraft International, formerly known as Blackwater. Many of these pictures show the same Kraft employee wearing a backpack before the bombing, and then no longer wearing his backpack, running from the scene. Pictures of the recovered backpack used in the bombing look virtually identical. This company was founded by Chris Kyle, who designed the Punisher logo as well as the company motto, which was, quote, Despite what your mama told you, violence does solve problems. He was also played by Bradley Cooper in Clint Eastwood's film American Sniper. Chris Kyle was murdered two months before his mercenary company was very well represented at the Boston Marathon bombing. We will end with a quote from former CIA agent Robert Steele. The Boston bombing, for me, the truth teller was when the rabbis and the priests rushed to comfort the wounded. And they were not allowed to get near any of the wounded. That, in intelligence, we call an indicator. And then you add to that the fact there were no, I, I mean no, wounded people taken to hospitals. And finally, you add to that the big to-do about the amputee, 
He turned out to be a hired actor for a company that specializes in putting amputees into battlefield simulations. False flag. Boston was a practice attempt to lock down an entire city. End quote.